Good morning, Cedar Creek. Thank you. Welcome back to the third and final week of Life Hacks, this series of messages in which we are attempting to crack the code on three key areas of our life. And these areas that we're looking at were not chosen randomly, but we were, they were chosen because they all have one thing in common. With each of these areas we're looking at, a little bit of effort goes a long way. In these areas of our life, just the slightest bit of positive change pays huge dividends down the road over time. Like week one, we talked about cracking the code in our connections. Our relationships with each other within the body of Christ, within the church. And we discovered that when we engage a little more, when we put a little more effort into those relationships that God has given us with each other, it pays huge dividends in every area of our life. Then last week, we talked about everybody's favorite subject, money, right? And we discovered that just a, a one right step one small positive thing in your finances over time will pay huge dividends down the road. And then today, we're going to wrap things up by looking at the topic of spiritual growth. We're going to focus on spiritual growth this morning. So let me just ask you, how many of you would like to grow a little bit spiritually this year? How many of you would like to have a little deeper faith in 2019? Yeah, that's almost all of us, which not surprising, right? I mean, just the fact that you've come to church today says there is some level of desire within you to grow spiritually. But here's my question. How are you going to know if you're growing? What are you going to use to measure your spiritual growth this year? Because I think most of us think in terms of our faith based on our beliefs. What we discover, what we know about God, about ourselves, about His Word. And that is partly true. Your beliefs determine your faith, but it is your actions that will develop your faith. Let me say that again. Your beliefs determine your faith, but it is your actions that will develop your faith. Because, see, faith is like a muscle. And so if you want it to grow, you got to put it to use. In fact, I think that's what James, the half-brother of Jesus, meant when he wrote these words that are there on the top of your outline. Notice what he says. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? Right, it's a dead faith. So if you want to experience spiritual growth moving forward, your beliefs need to be seen in your behaviors. What you say you believe about God, about His Word, about who you are, your purposes, what you say you believe has to show up in the way that you live. That's why cracking the code on spiritual growth is all about commitment. It's about the level of our commitment. 
Why? Because your commitments determine your behaviors, and your behaviors will drive your spiritual growth. Let me tell you something. Commitment is one of the most powerful tools in your life. Your commitments are ultimately shaping your life. You're not always who you think you are, but you are always becoming what you are committed to. And so if you are committed to very little, you will accomplish very little in your life. If you are committed to insignificant things, your life will become less and less significant. Think about this. This is really interesting. If you look back across the pages of history, what you will see is people who really made a difference, the people who impacted the world around them all had one thing in common. They were ordinary people who had an extraordinary commitment to something bigger than themselves. I mean, think about, think about the history of our nation. All of those great heroes of our nation. Or, or think about the heroes of the faith that we see across the pages of the Bible. They're ordinary people who had a great commitment to something greater than themselves. That's the power of commitment. The, the biggest barrier to forward motion in our lives is not our circumstances. We love to blame it on our circumstances, but that's not what is holding us back. It's not our lack of talent. It's not our lack of abilities. It's not even the decisions and choices of the people around us. What is holding us back is our fear of commitment. And I can tell you, in our culture today, fear of commitment is an epidemic. We as a culture are struggling from a massive outbreak of FOMO. Who knows what FOMO is? Shout it out. Fear of what? Fear of missing out. And we're so afraid a better opportunity, a better thing may come down the road that we sit back and don't commit to anything. It's like going through the buffet at Golden Corral. You know what I'm talking about? You start out on one end with a plate, and it's not near big enough plate, right, at least by my standards, but you start down in the salad end, and you got this whole line, and you're like, well, salad is good, but there's probably something better down the line. I don't want any salad. And then you get to the casseroles, and like, man, I love casseroles, but I don't want to fill up my plate with casseroles because something better might be down there. So we put a little bit of vegetable casserole on our plate. Then we get to the meats, and like, I like meats, but there could be something better. So we just put a few meats, and then we get to the end of the line. And what is at the end of the line? Desserts, right? And we're like, well, I got all this room on my plate. I might as well fill it up with desserts. And we go through life like that, not committing to anything significantly, and then we end up filling up our lives with things that seem sweet, things that we feel like are good, but actually leave us empty and hungry and hollow and unhealthy. If you really are serious about growing spiritually in your life, you got to be willing to commit 
But you got to make sure you're committed to the right stuff. You better make sure you're filling up your plate with the things that really matter. And so this morning, I want to look at four commitments that I am convinced will crack the code for our spiritual growth. Four things we have to commit to if we really want to grow spiritually this year. Number one, we have to commit to the process. You have to commit to the process. Spiritual growth is the lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus. And I don't mean growing long hair, a beard, and a robe, and sandals, and walking around preaching, and walking on water, or turning water into wine, although that would be cool if we could do that. What I'm talking about is becoming more like Christ in my attitude, seeing people and situations like Jesus sees, thinking, having the mind of Christ, acting in the way that Jesus did, developing the character of Christ in my life. That's spiritual growth, and let me just tell you, that don't happen overnight. Spiritual growth is not an instant thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Salvation is instant. The moment you surrender to Christ, the moment you invite him into your life, receive his forgiveness through his death on the cross, the moment you invite him to be the leader, the boss, the CEO of your life, the Bible says if anybody is in Christ, they are immediately a brand new creation. But that's inside in the heart. The outside don't change for a long, long time. And it won't change unless you are committed to taking the time to see that process through. It's going to take the rest of your life. Look at what the Bible says, Philippians 1.6. The apostle Paul writes, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will do what? What does that say? Right, he will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Do so you see it's a process throughout your whole life? Here's what happens to us, though. Our impatience, our desire for instant results becomes a barrier to spiritual growth because we get frustrated when we don't see the results in our life that we want to see and we just give up. I'm telling you, I see this all the time as a pastor. Somebody comes and, and they're new to the faith, they give their life to Jesus, they're passionate, they're excited, they're on fire, they're connecting, they're doing, they come up out of the baptismal waters, they are fired up, they start spending time in the Word, doing all the things you need to grow, but when their life doesn't change overnight, they go, well, must not work for me, must not be real, or they say, you know what, well, at least I'm getting into heaven, I guess I'll just have to live through hell here on earth and you throw in the towel I see this with people who've been Christ followers for years decades something happens in their life some circumstance and like man I got to get back to the roots of my faith I got to get back in church I got to get growing spiritually I got to spend time in the word or it's a new year and they're like this year I'm going to grow spiritually and so they start doing all the things they need to do to grow spiritually but when things don't change quick enough they're like well I guess it's just the same old same old you gotta commit to the process long term you know one of the things I love about AA and celebrate recovery is that at the end of those meetings they always say this little saying together 
It works if you work it. Keep coming back. You know what they're saying? Commit to the process. Commit for the long haul. God wants to use every circumstance in your life, good and bad. He wants to use every experience you go through, every stage or season of your life. He wants to use it to make you more like Christ, but you have to cooperate. You have to take a long-term view. Like You remember last week, we talked about leveraging the power of time with your finances. A few dollars set aside every week over a long period of time becomes a really significant nest egg. Same thing is true in spiritual growth. A little bit of time in God's Word every day. Time in prayer, a prayer journal, the discipline of journaling, doing that. Even when you don't see results, even when you show up every week in your quiet time and you don't get an aha, woo, God spoke to me moment, you just keep grinding away for the long haul. That's how you see results. You commit to the process. So let me, I, I was going to say, let me ask you a question. I should phrase that differently. Ask yourself this question. How committed are you to the process of spiritual growth? How committed are you to doing those essential habits day in and day out, week in and week out, year in and year out, trusting God to finish the work he started in you? If you really are serious about growing spiritually, you must commit to the process. Number two, the second thing you have to do is commit to corporate worship. Commit to corporate worship. What do I mean by corporate worship? I mean physically joining with other believers to focus on Jesus, sing his praises, and experience his presence. And the Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people, plural, the Bible says God speaks to us through the teaching of his word. And the Bible says that God comforts and encourages us through the believers around us, the people around us. That's why we do what we do on Sunday mornings at Cedar Creek Church. That's why we gather in all of our campuses all over the place. And whether it's four or five people in an apartment in West Africa, or 10 or 12 people in a firehouse in Hookstown, Pennsylvania, or 200 people in a metal building up in the Ridge community, or 400 people in a YMCA gym, or 1,000 people in a worship center like this. Wherever, however we gather, we all gather for the same purpose, to worship God. And here's the cool thing about gathering to worship God. Because while our worship is given to God and it is for God, guess what? We're the one who gets the benefits. There's so many benefits 
to corporate worship. I could stand up here. I could preach through. I could make a list of the benefits of corporate worship and stay here till 3 o'clock telling you all about them. I'm not going to do that. But I have narrowed it down to two that I think will help you. There's no place, no blank for you to write this in. But write it down somewhere on your margin, somewhere on your little program. One of the benefits of corporate worship is it renews my faith. Corporate worship renews my faith. When I gather with others to worship, it refreshes me. Look at what David, King David wrote in Psalm 122.1. He said, I was glad, glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Why was David glad to go to church? Because it was a rule he had to follow? No, because it renewed his faith. He wasn't glad to go to church because it's the right thing to do. He was glad because it refreshed his spirit. Let me tell you something, baby. Life is hard and the world is rough. And if you're going to boogie, you got to be tough, right? We get beat down by life all during the week, right? By pressure at work, stuff going on in our family, financial tensions. We are beat down all during the week. I know it. I see it in your face. When you come in on Sunday mornings, I hear it in your voice. I see it on your Instagram and Facebook pages. We are beat down by life. And we need to come together to be renewed, to be refreshed. This is halftime, baby. This ain't the game. The game is not about getting together on Sunday. The game's out there. This is about being refreshed and restored and renewed. And you don't get that when you miss that. I was reading this week a daily devotion written by a pastor who's a friend of mine. And he was talking about this idea of being refreshed by corporate worship. And he said, as a pastor, we are like Mickey in the Rocky movies. Right? You know who Mickey is, right? The trainer. It's the guy played by Merge, uh, what is his name? Burgess Meredith, right? He's the trainer. And so Rocky's out there in the ring, and he's fighting, and, man, he's getting beat down. He's getting knocked down. He's got cuts. He's got bruises, broken ribs. The bell finally rings, and he comes, and he collapses in the corner. Thank God the round is over. And old Mick jumps in the ring and says, you're doing a great job, Rock. Keep on fighting. And he throws some cold water on him puts a little Vaseline on the cuts to stop the bleeding, and he's like, get back out there and keep on fighting. That's what Sunday morning is for. I'm not doing it. God is doing it. When you come into his presence to focus on him, to worship him, to praise him. And let me tell you, in the four and a half months since the death of our son, those roles have been reversed. You have been refreshing me. Your presence, your prayers, your voices in worship behind me as I sit on the front row have been what have kept me in the fight. We do this together. That's why we have to gather together. It renews my faith. The second thing I want you to jot down in the margin is that corporate worship, it restores my joy. That's why we gather for corporate worship. It restores our joy. Look at Psalm 102. It says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with what? 
joy. That doesn't mean we come to worship because everything's going all right. It doesn't mean we come to worship because we're happy. It means we come to worship to discover a joy that is deeper than our temporary circumstances. A foundation that we can hold on to that cannot be rocked by the storms of life. Let me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gotten up on a Sunday morning intending to go to church and then just kind of felt like, you know what? It's raining today. Or, you know what? I was up late last night. I'm just tired. What I need is rest. And you just felt like, you know, I'm not going to go. It's just a lot of trouble. But then you push through that. You push through, made yourself get up, made yourself come. And because of that, while you were here, God refreshed you. A song, a prayer, a message, something that you knew God was using to refresh you. How many of you have ever had that experience? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Pushing past the convenience that we desire, the desserts that we want to be committed to, to experience the true nourishment of worshiping together with God. I've been thinking a lot about the power of corporate worship this past year. And I'm just telling you, I am so grateful for the gift of live stream, for that technology that allows us to stream our services online because it has allowed us to reach people that we would never reach from just one of our campuses. It's allowed us to make connections and to have an impact really literally all over the world. I am grateful for that, but here's what I know. Like any gift of technology, there's a downside to it too. And that downside is it often makes it easier to stay home, right? To just stay in your pajamas and like, I can watch it, I can worship, I can hear the music. Look, I am not getting on your case. I get it. I understand it. I've been trying to figure out for six years how I could preach from home in my pajamas. I get it. I'm all about that. But I wonder, I wonder if that choice of convenience over our commitment to corporate worship is not hindering our spiritual growth. I'm pretty sure it is. So here's an idea. Two weeks from today, we are kicking off a church-wide series and study, a six-week focus on this idea of foundations. You know, when Jesus said two guys build a house, one built it on sand, but one dug down to the rock, to the foundation, and that house withstood the storm. Well, we're going to talk about how to dig a deeper faith. What, and we're going to talk about that every week for six weeks. So here's an idea. What if you made the commitment to physically be at your campus all six of those weeks? I mean, I get it. Life happens. You might get sick. You might have to travel, whatever. And when that happens, use the live stream as a gift. But I believe if you make the commitment to be physically present for corporate worship, you will see some breakthroughs spiritually in your life. Commit to the process long haul. Commit to corporate worship. Number three, commit to connecting community. you got to commit to connect in community. This is the next level of commitment. This is moving from being at church to doing life with the church, with other believers connecting. 
You know, our need for community, for authentic Christian community, is one of the most repeated commands in the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelations. In fact, 59 times in the New Testament alone, we are given specific instructions as Christ followers as to how we are to relate and connect with each other. And if you've got a searchable Bible app, go home today and put in the search bar, One Another, and hit search. You'll find 59 very specific commands of how we are to connect with one another. God is serious about this. And what you'll see is those connections cannot happen one hour a week in a large group gathering. That it requires us to do life together, up close, personal. Iron sharpens iron when iron hits iron. It takes more than an hour a week. In fact, look at what the Bible says, Romans 12, 15. It says, for each of us finds our meaning and function at a, as a part of his body, right? Connected. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? That's a powerful statement. In fact, circle that phrase, meaning and function. Maybe the reason you feel so spiritually empty is because you're cut off from the body. Maybe the reason you feel stuck spiritually right now is because you're dis... I mean, you're here, but you're not here with a small group of other believers. You know, I have always been fascinated by the limb reattachment surgeries. You know what I'm talking about? Like somebody cuts off a finger, a toe, an arm, or a leg. If they can find that limb, and if they can get it on ice, and if they can get to the right hospital with the right surgeon in the right period of time, they can literally reattach that limb. Think about that. The tiny little nerves, hundreds, thousands, the individual blood vessels, the muscle tissue, the fascia, the ligaments, the skin, all of that is reattached together. And let me tell you, when they do that, that dead limb literally comes back to life. Literally, this dead, useless piece of flesh comes back to life. Some of us need reattachment surgery to the body of Christ to bring our spiritual life back from the dead. And listen, connecting with others in community not only brings life to our spiritual journey, but it helps you learn. There are things you cannot learn or do on your own. I mean, I know I said at the beginning of this message that spiritual growth is not based on what you know, but what you do. It's not based on what you say you believe, but on your behaviors. But that doesn't mean that our beliefs and our knowledge about God and His words don't matter. It does matter. I guess the best way to think of it is this. Your knowledge about God and His word, your beliefs that you hold about God, that's what points you in the right direction. It's your commitments that move you in that direction. So it matters what you know. That you're not committing your life to truths that aren't really true about God. You can't grow apart from others. In fact, look at Ephesians 4.16. It says, He, talking about Jesus, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, check this out, it helps the other parts what? 
grow. You, you understand you got to be connected to grow. That's why you've heard me say like a gazillion times, there's no spiritual growth outside the context of authentic community. You cannot grow spiritually just in your quiet time, just in your prayer life, just in what you can do alone. Why? Because you can't live out your faith alone. Our faith is a relational faith, a relationship with God and a relationship with each other. In fact, there are three things that are essential for spiritual growth that you cannot do on your own. I'm going to give you these three, jot them in the margin. One, self-insight. You need self-insight to grow. And let me just tell you, there's some things you cannot see about yourself. Everybody else sees it. Everybody else knows it. If you got your friends and family together and ask them about them, they'd all be in consensus. Yes, you're like this. And you're like, what? Really? I'm not like that. Why? Because we all have blind spots. We're all oblivious to things about ourselves. And we need people to help us see ourselves more accurately. I'm not talking about pointing their finger, condemnation, you need to get your act together. I'm talking about lovingly help us see what we cannot see. You know, something else you have to have to grow spiritually that you can't do by yourself? Accountability. Accountability, right? You cannot hold yourself accountable. I don't care how long you've been a believer. I don't care how spiritually mature you are. You cannot hold yourself accountable. You know why? Because as human beings, we are afflicted with a disease called rationalization. And we can rationalize almost anything given the right amount of pressure and the right amount of circumstances. So you need somebody who jumps in the way and says, man, no, bad direction, right? You understand nobody wakes up one morning and decides to destroy their life. Nobody wakes up and goes, you know what, I think I'm going to destroy my marriage and have an affair. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, you know what, I'm going to embezzle funds from the company and end up going to prison. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I think I want to be an addict today. No, it's a thousand little bad choices made over a long period of time. And when we finally wake up, unfortunately, we've already gone off the cliff. You need somebody who jumps in front and loves you enough to say, danger, danger will rob us and you need you need accountability. The third thing, jot this down in the margin. You can't do this for yourself. Encouragement. Did you know that? You cannot encourage yourself. I don't care how positive you are. I don't care what, how optimistic a person you are. Eventually, the clouds in your life will be so dark that you can't get yourself out of bed. There'll be days when you can't find hope no matter how much you look. Believe me, I know what those days are like. And I would not be here if it were not the people who stood with and encouraged and pointed towards hope when I couldn't feel or even believe in that hope. You need encouragement. You cannot do this by yourself. We need to commit to community to grow spiritually. Now you guys know this is the part of the sermon where I tell all of you, you need to get in and you go, la, 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 la. He'll move on to number four. Just don't look him in the eye. Well, let me tell you, I'm not going to do that today. I'm not. You know what you need to do. You will either commit to doing it or you won't. But that commitment will have consequences in 
your life. Commit to the process. Commit to corporate worship. Commit to connecting in community. And then finally, number four, the most important one, commit to surrender to Jesus. That is the most important commitment you will ever make, to surrender to Jesus. You know why? Because the biggest barrier to spiritual growth is pride. And the only antidote to pride is surrender. Yes, we need to make these commitments to move forward, but understand these commitments are not based on our willpower or our strength. They are based on our willingness to surrender to Jesus, to give more of myself to a cause greater than myself. Romans 6, 13. Give yourselves completely to God. Every part of you. Why? Because you are back from death. Don't you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for His good purposes? I believe that's what we all want in our life. You only find that from surrendering and committing. You know what the most important step of your spiritual journey is? The next step. Your next step. What is that for you? Maybe for some of you, it's the very first step of faith. To truly surrender your life to Jesus. To move from knowing about Him, being aware of Him, being a fan of His, to truly allowing Him to come in, place His Spirit in you, and transform you from the inside out over the rest of your life. Maybe for you, that's your step. I think for many of us here, we've taken that step, but we're still stuck just a few steps down the road. Maybe, maybe the reason God brought you here today was just to tell you, keep on walking, baby. Keep on moving. I know you're not seeing the results, but keep on committing to the things that will transform you. Renew your commitment to the process. Renew your commitment to corporate worship. Renew your commitment to connecting with other believers. I don't know what your next step is, but I'm pretty sure you're feeling it right now because I believe God is speaking it to you. So here's what I want to do. All of our campuses, I want to give us a moment. I know it's like drinking from a fire hydrant listening to this message. I get it. So I want to give us a moment to take a breath, to reflect, to ask God to speak to us, and then commit. Maybe write it down on the paper, whatever. God is calling you to commit to, to grow spiritually this year. So let's do that. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. Whether you're on one of our campuses or just watching online somewhere, would you just take a moment, take a deep breath, and would you just ask God to show you your next step? Or maybe he already has. So would you ask him to help you surrender more of yourself to truly follow through with that commitment? Would you put your faith in action to take that step this week, maybe before you leave here today, whatever that is? Oh, Father, we need your help. On our own, our commitments are thin and short-lived. We need your power, your strength, 
in our weakness so that we can live a life committed to something bigger than ourselves that will allow us to live out the purposes that you have created us for. So God, move in our hearts, move in our church, in Jesus' name, amen.